Well, good morning, everybody. Whether you're here in the room or watching online, we're grateful that you're with us this morning. Uh, like you, our family uh, said on Thursday night late, we said goodbye to 2020. And I'm going to guess that your house was a lot like ours in that there was no tears and no sadness in saying goodbye to last year. I think 2020 seems memorable to me for all the wrong reasons. One email I got this week described 2020 as a collection of 60 wonderful, 10 questionable, and 295 emotionally challenging days. I think that's about right. You know, not everything was bad in 2020, but even celebrating the good stuff was harder, it seemed, last year. And so here we sit, third day of January, with 2021 lying in front of us like a fresh, clean slate. I mean, unless your last two days have been really disastrous. 2021 is right in front of us. and The odds are pretty good that even if you're not somebody who sets a New Year's resolution, you've at least set some goals for the new year. A new year, when it comes, inspires us to live our lives in a big picture way. We want to take advantage of this reset, this fresh start that it brings. We want to be healthier. We want to be wiser. We have every intention of improving our finances, our relationships, our health, our relationship with God. And so we start 2021 with new habits, new goals, new ideas, and we commit ourselves to ending the bad ones. But all that energy, all that intentionality rarely lasts for long, does it? I mean, you know it. If you go to a gym, somewhere by the end of January, the crowd will thin substantially over what it's going to be this week. Our energy around being more productive or managing our finances better wanes towards the end of January. And most of us throughout the year return to the same bad habits in spite of our best efforts. Why? Why does it happen with such predictable regularity? Well, so for the next two weeks, we want to talk about that. And I think there are two very key decisions that we neglect to make each year that will help us start over. And the first one this morning is this. If we want to know real and lasting change in our lives, we need to come clean about the mess that we're currently in. We need to acknowledge the decisions and the actions that got us to where we are today. Simply put, whatever our weakness is, we need to own it. So what does a path to a better year look like? To help us with that challenge, I want to take a look at the Apostle Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 this morning. And I want to give you some backstory at the passage, about the passage we're going to look at. In chapters 10, 11, and 12 in Paul's writing, he makes a defense of his position as a teacher and a church planner as well as a defense of his authority as one of Jesus' apostles. Now, throughout this defense, he's really careful with his wording. He's trying to not come off as defensive or arrogant as he makes his case. So multiple times, he throws out disclaimers like this. He writes, I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. It's all very honest, very direct, very humble from a man who had an incredible pedigree. I mean, before he became a Christian, he was a leader among the Pharisees, a strict sect of the Jewish faith. He was intellectually brilliant, politically active. He was capable, respected, self-confident, accomplished. 
And he walked away from all of that to follow Jesus. And the second half of his life was just as incredible as the first. God gave him the task of being the primary apostle who went out and taught everyone who was not of the Jewish faith. And that was most of the Roman Empire. He had an impact that was beyond anything uh, I can imagine. We know of 14 churches that he established in four separate countries, and there were probably more. Our New Testament contains 13 letters of instruction that he wrote to churches about how to live out that faith, and he probably wrote more. Paul's self-defense concludes then with what we want to look at in chapter 12, where he writes these words. He says, so to keep me from becoming proud about all that I've done to spread the gospel throughout the known world, to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and to keep me from becoming proud. Now, scholars have written about this thorn in the flesh that Paul says here for centuries. They've debated what it is, what it might have been. They've searched for clues in what he's written. And the bottom line answer is we don't know. My personal opinion I think his thorn in the flesh was probably his reference that he made in 2 Corinthians 11, where he's like, I'm just, you know, barely an average speaker. Can you imagine being tasked with teaching the gospel all over the known world, and your skill set's a little shaky in a public speaking capacity? Whatever it was, whatever plagued Paul for all those years, we know it was bad enough But he says three different times he begged God to take it away. Each time God said to him, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. Now that's a powerful paradox that we'll talk about in a minute. It's so counterintuitive. It makes me pause every time I read and go, wait, wait, wait. God's power works best when I'm weak? He goes on to say, so now, because of that knowledge, I boast. I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses, in the insults, hardships, persecution, and troubles that I suffer for Christ, because I've learned that when I'm weak, that's when I'm strong. So with Paul's words there as a backdrop, let's talk about some choices that we need to make if we're going to have a better year in 2021. And first, the biggest choice we need to make is that we need to own our weaknesses. We need to admit them. Paul says, I'm glad I've reached a place where I can talk about, I can even boast about my weaknesses. That's not most of us, is it? We're not there yet. At least I'm not there yet. We struggle in some cases even to identify what's our weakest place in our relationship with God and others. And at other times, we struggle to admit that we know it. Every place that I've worked over the last 35 years, I've had some role in hiring new employees in churches, in not-for-profit religious organizations. And you'd think if any group of people would be great at admitting and understanding their own weakness, it would be people who are going to work in a religious institution, right? And yet, nearly during, during nearly every one of those interviews, someone on the interview team has asked the question to the interviewee, what's your biggest weakness? Personally, I hate that question. It, people just come up with really silly answers out of it. You can search the web, you'll find lists of the bad answers to that one question in an interview. Stuff I've heard from people in those interviews, 
my biggest weakness is I'm a perfectionist. Doesn't sound like a weakness, does it? My biggest weakness is identifying weaknesses. All that tells me is you're not really self-aware. My biggest weakness is I work too hard. And the best one I've heard in interviews is this one. My biggest weakness is that people say I'm condescending. You know, that's when you talk down to people. <laughs> Look, I admit, it's hard to figure out our weaknesses. It's hard to admit them. It's hard to name what I do or what I don't do on a consistent basis that damages relationships, that hurts the people I love, that brings shame and guilt, and that torpedoes my hopes and dreams for the future. Most of us have learned how to answer that question in easy, socially acceptable ways. The ways that make it look like we've done the hard work to wrestle with our weaknesses and that we really are admitting them when in fact we're not. And when people point out a weakness in our life, we often get defensive. We'll say things like, well, you know what, that's that's just the way I am. We've had some weaknesses in our lives long enough that we've grown comfortable with them. And we've grown immune to the Holy Spirit's nudging in our life for us to admit them and work on those behaviors and habits that wreck us. So I'm asking you this morning, I'm asking you, please don't settle for that kind of year in 2021. Dig deep. Ask yourself the tough questions to figure out your weaknesses. And ask for input from the people who love you and know you best. And then, think about, contemplate, pray about those weaknesses. Watch for examples of how that feedback might be right. And once you've identified that weakness, own it. Admit it. Admit it to yourself. Admit it to God. And if you really want to tackle it and grow, admit it to others. This is what I know to be true about myself. And this is how I want to change. When we are willing to face and name and deal with our weaknesses, we create an environment that's conducive to growth and change and helps us have a better year. Second choice we need to make this morning is if we want to have a better year is this one. We need to ask for and accept help. Now, Connie and I have been married for 39 years. We celebrated uh, in December our 39th anniversary. And it seems like our entire married life, we've been doing some kind of a home improvement project. Like most of you, I'm not really good at accepting help. And so uh, a little over a year ago, uh, I tackled the project of replacing the sliding patio door on the back of our house that leads out onto the deck. I had no idea how heavy and unwieldy those doors really are. In my head, which is a scary place, in my head, I had convinced myself that Connie and I could do this job together. We could carry this garage, this door from the garage around our front sidewalk, up the steps into the front of the house, through the entrance, through the kitchen, out the dining room, set it on the deck, and then lift it into place and hold it there until it was securely fastened. I was convinced we could do this. Connie, wisely, had her doubts. It's not the only time she's been wiser than me. Now, I had mentioned that I was going to be doing this project in our small group the week before. And so, 
you know, late morning, around lunchtime, Rob gave me a call. And he asked if I needed help. Now, he's offering help. He's trying to convince me on the phone that I really do need help. And I'm still resisting, even though deep inside, I know I need his help. And I resist until the point Connie yells loud enough that Rob can hear it through my cell phone. Yes, he needs help. And so I accepted, wisely. The greatest thing that Rob did for me that day, apart from saving my marriage, is to keep asking until I said yes. I'm not alone in this. I think nearly every one of us is hesitant to ask for or even accept help when we know we need it. And here's the dangerous part. If we do the hard work to figure out our weaknesses and we don't ask for help, all that does is leave us depressed and defeated and deceived to think that we can, in our own power, this time make the changes that we've never been able to make before. It's humbling to ask for help. And if we struggle with simple things like improvements on our home and asking for help, how are we ever going to accept help for the tougher stuff in life, for the attitudes and the actions and the behaviors that can alter the trajectory of our life and our eternity? As uncomfortable as it is, we need safe places where we can dismantle our weaknesses in the open and in front of people we love if we're ever going to change. We need to be able to talk with a trusted friend, a wise family member. And for me, over the last 35 years, the safest place that I've found to do those kinds of digging deep into my soul are in the context of a community group. There's one final choice I think we need to make if we're going to have a better year in 2021, and it's this. Every day, we need to ask God to give us strength to know where we are weak. Ask God to give us strength where we know we are weak. And once we do that, we start praying like our life and our future depends on his strength and not our own. If we're honest, we get in the biggest messes sometimes, we shy away from asking God for help or strength or wisdom or forgiveness or anything at all. I think it's hard sometimes when our choices and our weaknesses lead us to the same horrible consequences over and over again. It's hard in those moments to come to God again and say, I messed up again. I don't want to mess up like I did yesterday or the day before. And I don't know about you, but at times I wonder if God doesn't get tired of hearing me repeat the same struggles and prayers to him. But the truth is that in his love, he cherishes us in spite of and through our weaknesses. So we don't have to hide them from him. We can't. He knows them already. God uses us and loves us and grows us just as we are. When we humbly admit our weakness, that's when God can finally help us. And what feels like defeat and failure may become a conduit for God's strength. That's what Paul was talking about. That's that paradox of faith that he introduces twice in two verses 
in 2 Corinthians 12 when he says, first, God's power works best in my weakness. And when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Look, I know my life, I know myself well enough to know that there are going to be some moments that test me where I'm weakest. I know that there are going to be some days that hold surprises that I am not prepared for. I know that some days I'm going to come to the end of my own strength. It's true for me, and I believe it's true for you as well. But I also know that God's wisdom and strength are available all the time. And it's in those difficult moments that I finally realize my insufficiency and his desperate need, and my desperate need for his strength and his wisdom. Knowing that this week, I started to begin to pray in the new year this simple prayer every day. And I'd ask you to do the same. It's a humble admission of the truth. Prayer is simple. God, I need you today. Please give me your strength for whatever this day holds. I don't know how you want to remember that. I've got it on my phone. You could write it on a three by five card, put it on your nightstand so it's the first thing you see in the morning. The first words you utter are to God, I need you today. Please give me your strength for whatever this day holds. But I know that praying this prayer anchors that truth in our minds. And it prepares us in advance to accept the help for the weak areas in our life that we'll confront that day. I suspect that everyone listening knows at least one weakness they need to work on. We also know, if we're honest, that the biggest challenges we faced in 2020 were probably about this one weakness. And it's not that the pandemic created that tension in our life. It just brought that weakness out in the open. And I suspect that knowing and dealing with that weakness could make 2021 a much better year for each one of us. You know your weakness. You know it needs your undivided attention. You know you can't spend another year pretending everything is okay. So will this be the year that you finally are willing to own it, to come clean? To admit to God, to admit to yourself, to admit to someone you love that you've been pretending you've got it all together and you don't want to pretend anymore. This morning I wish I could give each of you a look forward in your life five or ten years down the road so you could see the difference that that simple decision put into practice consistently every day will make in your life to own your weakness, to ask for help, and to lean into God's strength. I'm praying this morning that you and I will make this the year that we finally tackle our weaknesses that are hanging over our heads. And if you do, you know that God will be with you every step of the way. He's capable. He's willing. He's waiting to help turn your weakness into strength.